Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. It will be up on the screen if you do not have it. The New King James, because LeBron James is the king, and I hope the Cavaliers win the championship. Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. From the days of John the Baptist until now, until today, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So when you look at this scripture, honestly, it can almost be a little bit confusing sometimes and kind of hard to understand to put the word violent in, in as like an adjective or something that a that a believer needs it almost seems like it clashes a little bit but what this is saying is that the kingdom of God which is God's reign on earth and really everywhere his rule on earth had to overcome this kingdom of darkness to be able to get here on earth so it had to overcome some things God had to overcome some things to be able to bring the kingdom onto earth and our response as believers is to take by force everything that God made available because how many people know that we need all the help we can get in this world. Sometimes it's a little too much for us to bear, but thank God that we serve a God and we serve a son by the name of Jesus who has the unlimited resources, who has unlimited power and is an ever-present help in our time of need. And I'm so thankful that that is the God that we serve. And in this scripture, Pastor Dustin stated this, that there is a key to being able to overcome difficulties that happen in life because sometimes when we're in the middle of a battle, when we're in the middle of a fight, we need something completely completely outside of ourselves to be able to help us in the way that we take what God has, the resources of the kingdom of heaven, is we can't wait for it. We got to take it by force. Jesus says this, that he came to give life and that life more abundant. I want an abundant life. I don't just want to settle for life. I want an abundant life. And you know what? An abundant life isn't just going to be given to us. Sometimes we really need to be intentional, which is what another word for violence could be. You could say the kingdom of God came intentionally and intentional people take hold of it. We need to get be intentional to be able to take by force everything that God provided for us because once again, sometimes life hits. And when life does hit, it seems that it can hit us at the right place at the right time. Do I get any witnesses in here? Sometimes life can really just get you. And I think sometimes life can like really get us down. I'm 28 years old. I know I look 27. That's what uh, Uncle Mark, who spoke last week, always says. That's his joke. So I kind of took it. No one knows that. So I take it every Wednesday or anywhere I go speak, I take it, and I, I take credit for it like it was mine. But in my 28 years, I think I've been through quite a bit of a lot of ups and a lot of downs in life. I mean, for a 22-year-old, I think, I mean, I have lived quite a lot of life, which I'm sure some of you have as well. But when I look at the first 22 years of my life before I met Jesus, I think there were a lot more downs than there were ups. I really do. And there was so much heartbreak. And there were so many times that I would be sitting there in my situation, looking around, thinking, man, how did this happen? And I was remembering a few things. I remember one time when I was 18 years old, I had got myself into so much trouble, burnt all the bridges with my family and my friends because I was going out doing only what I wanted to do. To where I found myself at a place where I was living out of my car, sleeping in my car in front of random places because I had nowhere to go because, again, I burnt all of the bridges with friends and family. I remember times that I had gotten arrested for DWI and I was in jail and I woke up that next morning and I was just sitting there so confused, so heartbroken, looking at my life saying, man, 
what happened? How did I get to this place? I don't know about you, but there's different storms in life I think all of us have to face. Sometimes it's storms that it seems like life just throws at us. You know, the word says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike, meaning that sometimes storms just happen. But there are storms that seem to just happen, but I don't know about you. But for me, some of the worst storms that I've been through are storms that I ended up putting myself in because of the decisions that I have made. And I was thinking about this, but I think for me, some of the most heartbreaking storms are the storms when I look at my life and I look at where I got in, in the current mess that I'm in, in the situation I'm in, and I look at my life and I look around and I realize, man, I got myself into this problem. I got myself into the situation and I want to be able to blame somebody else. I want to be able to point the finger, but when I get alone, I understand and I know, man, I'm the one that caused this. You know what I'm talking about. I think all of us have been there before when we chose to look at that or take that or drink that, when we chose to go to that place or hang out with that person you knew we shouldn't have. We have all been there, and I think sometimes we get ourselves into a mess, and we sit here wondering, how did this happen? What is going on? And I felt like some people in this room are in the storm of their life, broken on the inside, feeling like there is never any way to get out, but I got some good news. If you've got yourself into the storm or maybe Maybe life just handed you one. The God that we have come here to worship today is a God that is with us in any moment, at all day, every day, no matter what we've done, he is always with us. And no matter what type of storm we find ourselves in, we have access to something outside of ourselves to help us. And today, I want to talk to you about what God's God gives us to empower us to take everything that is available. Because it's one thing to say, okay, I know there's this great life available. I know that I can have freedom. I know I can have peace. I know I can have joy. That's great. But why would I be able to get it? Today, I really want to talk to you about why all of those things are available and why we are able at any moment, no matter what's going on in our life, to be able to take it by force. Because I believe if we know why things are available, it will help us be able to apply, being able to take things by force. If we know why God's promises are always available, I believe it will help us be able to take whatever it is we need. And I believe the thing that helps, or the the thing that makes everything available to us, the why, is simply because of this word called grace. Somebody say grace. I believe that grace is God's gift to us that allows us to take every good thing that he has for us. You know, I've seen a lot of different people get into a lot of different situations, and me included. Sometimes when I feel like I would need grace the most is the times that I almost forget about how amazing it really is. I used to hear that song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And I'd sing it because other people sung it, but if I'm honest, I didn't really, I wasn't able to grasp how amazing grace really was. So I wanna talk to us about grace today, and to help us be able to understand it, I wanna look at a really, really popular scripture found in John chapter eight, verse one through 11. And I believe by looking at this scripture, It's going to help us understand grace. And by doing that, it's going to help us be able to apply the scripture we read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. So John chapter 8, verse 1 says this. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He went to a mountain that was full of olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple. Sorry, I thought I was speaking to youth. Here we go. 
at dawn, he, they laugh at all my jokes. And I just keep saying them, so I, don't, I, just, I just go for it. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Verse 6, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Very popular saying that people say all the time. I hear like unsaved people say this all the time. But I think if we can grasp grace, we can really understand how powerful that saying is. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So a little background of the story. Jesus is in the temple courts. at one of the busiest parts of the day. He's in the temple courts and he's teaching. And in the middle of him teaching, all of a sudden, the group of Pharisees, Pharisees, most of them in the Bible, if you look, they were really just kind of self-righteous, prideful people who took the law, which are a bunch of rules and regulation, and they would just try to do those things, but didn't care about the condition of the heart. So it ended up them getting stuck in religion, stuck in a place where they had no relationship with the Father. It was all about using what God says to make them look better. So they go and they bring this woman. I'm talking like in the middle of Jesus' teaching. That would be like right now. We're sitting here, I'm doing my thing, I'm preaching. Everyone's getting like, so everyone's having a great time. And they're like, man, this man is so funny and he's so cool and you're listening to me, just joking. But you're sitting here and you're listening to me and all of a sudden this group of people, maybe a group of pastors from another church or something because they would never be in this church, that would ever happen. But they come in and they would bring in this woman who was caught in a major sin, something that exposed her, probably made her feel terrible. And she was sitting here exposed in front of all of these people and as they're sitting there they say these Pharisees who knew the law they studied the law like fully and there's a lot here because honestly they really tried to bend the law to be able to accuse Jesus but I don't really want to talk about the Pharisees and what they did I really want to look at the perspective of this woman because they came they tried to trap Jesus and they say Jesus what do you say and Jesus is so good and I don't want to ruin it so I don't want to get into it but I want to look at this perspective from this woman because I don't know about you but I love to read the Bible let it come to alive to me and wonder like man what was going through the character's head what was happening what got them to this point what caused this and as I look at this scripture I really just want to know man what was this woman feeling she was standing in the middle of all of these people people she probably knew and saw every single day people that probably thought when they looked at her life that everything was good and everything was great and I think she finds herself exposed in front of them all and the issue is this was a mess that she got herself into how what happens when you look at your life and you realize this like I already said the reason that you're in the situation that you're in is because of the things that you have done this is where she was at she was the one who had the choice to be with another man and did it she was the one who had the choice to be unloyal to her husband and she could not blame anyone else so my question is how did she get to this point 
Have you ever asked yourself that question before? How did I get to this point? I remember when I was a kid, um, I used to say this all the time. I will never do drugs. That's what I used to say. And I remember like we had a group of these friends. I was in like third grade or whatever. And we'd be talking about, oh, I will never do that. Well, during my second sixth grade, I say second because I did my first one. And they came to me and they were like, Cameron, we have never seen anybody do sixth grade like you did. You were the best student. You were the most fun. You were amazing. So to be able to be an example to the next class, I want you to do it again. I was like, look, usually I'd say no because I had to leave my friends. But I was like, look, I will do it. I'll do it again. And I did it again. So just joking. It was a good one, though, huh? So during my second sixth grade... Let's say that just so you can clarify. So I should have been in seventh grade, but I was in sixth grade. But during the second sixth grade, I started actually smoking marijuana. And I remember this, though. I said I was only going to do it one time. After I tried it one time, though, I kind of started doing that again. And then my mindset was like, oh, I'm never going to do anything else, though. I'm only going to smoke weed. And then after a little bit of time, you start going, it's the same thing. Oh, I'm only going to try this thing, but I'm only going to try it one time. And what happened was 10 years later, I find myself and I look at my life and I'm addicted to pills, robbing people to try to help my addiction. And I was so broken. And I looked at my life and this is the question I was asking. What got me to this place? Have you ever been so broken because some of the choices that you have made and you felt like you were lost and you did not know what to do and you know you made the wrong choices but you felt like you were stuck because of the things that you have done? Have you ever been there? And I have some really good news that I'm about to get but I don't wanna, I don't wanna re- or release it too soon but I know and I just feel this so strong that some of you felt like I felt seven years ago when you walked in this place and it was just like, man, what can I do? I believe that that's where this woman was and I think this, that people don't just decide one day, I'm going to go out and I'm going to commit the craziest, biggest problem, biggest sin that I can. Usually what happens is we go and it starts with the little things. I always tell the young people this, the big is found in the little, which means if I want to look at a big issue, I can probably look back to a bunch of small choices that eventually led me there. And this is what happened. Everybody knows sin, and this is how sin works. Sin is fun for a season, but what happens when that season runs out? And then what you used to do to get the fix or to get whatever needs you needed met wasn't working anymore, so then you got to get more extreme and more extreme and more extreme. That's what happened, and that's how sin works. And for me, I was at this place where I did not understand how I could have gotten there. We always say this sin will take you further than you want to go and make you stay longer than you want to stay. It will take you further than you want to go and it will make you stay longer than you want to stay. This is where that woman found herself. And I think this is so crazy as I'm sure so many of us can in this room. I think it's really easy to relate to this woman. See, sometimes we find ourselves in a place we never thought we would be and we think we will never be able to get out. I believe this, that one of the greatest lies is that the things we have done will disqualify us from taking hold of what Jesus made available. I'm going to say that again. One of the greatest lies I think we can believe that the enemy wants us to believe is that the things we have done disqualify us from being able to take hold of everything that Jesus made available, from being able to take hold of the kingdom. That's this mindset. Oh, because I did this, I will never get that. 
Because I messed up here, I'm never going to be able to get to the dream that I felt like God promised me. Because I did this, I said that, I did something I wish I didn't, that now we have to live in regret and shame and condemnation. Because we did that, we will never get to this. And that is such a wrong mindset. And that is such an unhealthy mindset. And that, I believe, truthfully, is one of the main tactics of the devil to try to get us to believe. The enemy wants us to believe that because of our mistakes, it will keep us from God. I could see this woman in John 8 truly thinking of thinking this, that because of what she did, she will never be able to move on because she was caught in adultery, which means by the law, it was punishable by death. Thinking that Jesus was going to go and condemn her and shame her and give her what she deserved. You know what our Jesus did? Because he's so good. He showed her this word called grace. Somebody say grace. He showed her grace, and even though she made some mistakes, she was not defined by those mistakes. Now, I remember I was hearing a pastor, and he was preaching on this, teaching on it, and he had said this to me. He thought it was really crazy that John, the writer of this book, says she was a woman caught in adultery, not an adulterous woman, which means this, that he wasn't defining her by the things that she had done. See, what the world wants to do is when we mess up, when we fall short, he wants to define us by our dysfunction. And say because you did that that's how I'm going to define you but this is something really good it should be up on the screen that you can write down we are not defined by what we do but we are defined by what Jesus did we are not defined by what we do we are defined by what Jesus did this is grace friends this grace that is a free gift that is available to you and to me so you might be asking okay this is great grace I'm hearing it I know Jesus has it but what is it I'm going to read some definitions on what grace is. Grace is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him. I love that because so many people think this, that, oh, God won't touch someone if they're not perfect. No, God understands that we cannot be perfect ever. So he sent his son Jesus to be perfect for us. And by us putting our faith in him, we get saved. And by getting saved, we get to be able to transform into who he is, which is so amazing. And it's not a process that happens overnight. I remember that when I first got saved, this was it. Oh my, I'm gonna be amazing. I'm never gonna mess up again. And then I woke up. Actually, no, I walked out of the church about two minutes later and I stubbed my toe and I think I said something I shouldn't have said. And I was like, what happened? But you know what? I had to walk out of that thing, and I had to walk out of the lifestyle and some of the habits and the things that I had. But you know what? Where before I was powerless, because I had his grace and he reached down to me when I was at my worst, it provided me with the way out, which is so amazing. Grace is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him. God's grace is God's free love, forgiveness, and favor to sinners. It's unmerited, unearned, undeserved kindness and favor of God. Grace is what makes salvation possible. If we have ever been saved before, you know what? We have experienced grace. If we have ever been saved, if we've given our life to Jesus, if we've made him Lord of our life, we have experienced grace. So you might be asking, okay, that's what grace is. Now, why do we need it? We need grace in our lives because it allows us to take hold of everything the kingdom of God has to offer. So once again, Matthew eleven twelve, we got to take it by force. The things that we're able to take by force, you know why we can take that? Because of this 
thing called grace. Because otherwise, if I think it's not about, if I think it's about me, that means I'm trying to approach God and take the things that he has to offer based on the goodness of whatever deeds I think I have done, which is completely backwards. Because what gives me access to the kingdom isn't because of the things that I have done, not because I deserved it. No, it's because of God's free grace. I'm allowed to take the things I need by force. It's because of God's free grace. I'm allowed to take the things I need by force because I don't get things from God based on what I did, but based on what Jesus did. And it's when I learn to intentionally take what is available, I can have this abundant life that we talked about that Jesus wants. When I understand grace and I understand because of grace, I can take everything that the kingdom of God has available for me, all of the resources of heaven, all the joy, all the peace, freedom. When I can take these things, I understand that then I know this, I can be intentional to take that and get this abundant life that Jesus talks about because he came to give life and that life more abundant. So as I was thinking about this, I wrote down three steps that we need to take in order for us to live the abundant life that Jesus has for us. So step one is get to Jesus. Step one, we need to get to Jesus. I love looking at this story because this woman was dragged to Jesus. She didn't even want to go and like, or she didn't want to go. Or she didn't ask for them to take us. But even then, God still used it because what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around and use for good. So it doesn't matter how we get to Jesus. We just have to make sure we get there. It doesn't matter what, how, when, or why. If we get to Jesus, I'm telling you, he can do something so supernatural in our life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, which means I can approach him with confidence, not with my head down, not in shame, but I can approach him just as I am so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The scripture says, let us approach the throne of grace so that we may find grace. I can't find anything if I'm not with him. If I'm looking for grace, I need to go to Jesus. I think so often we go to all these other things to get what we're looking for, but you know what? We find this, find this fake facade, unreal version of it that maybe has like the form of that it will be able to help us, but it doesn't actually work. You know what I'm talking about when we go to drugs and we go to all these other things to be able to try to satisfy us, but it does not work, and we go to other relationships to try to satisfy a need in our heart, and it does not work. Everything we need, we cannot look anywhere else. Everything we need, we can find it in Jesus, which is really good news. It's like a Costco card. How many people love Costco? I love Costco, except you don't got to pay for the membership, amen? But it's like anything I need to be able to cook, well, actually, my wife cooks. I only grill sometimes. But anything we could ever need, you know what? I can go to Costco and I can get it, and I'm going to try all the samples while I'm there, amen? I love Costco. I can find any, I can't find anything from Jesus if I'm not with him. I got to get to Jesus because everything I need is always found in him. I'm thankful that we can always come to Jesus at any time, at any day, no matter if I'm broken, if I'm whole, no matter if I feel like everything's great, no matter if everything's going bad, I can approach Jesus just as I am. Where else are we supposed to go when we're in need? Where, are, where else are we supposed to go? Only to Jesus we can go. I wrote this down, that Jesus 
Jesus loves us too much that he accepts us where we're at. He loves us so much he accepts us where we're at, but he loves us too much to leave us where we're at. We come to him just as we are. I don't got to try to clean myself up. I cannot clean myself up. That's why Jesus had to come. So I can approach him with my mess and my brokenness, with however it is I'm feeling. I can approach him just as I am. I don't got to try to clean myself up. No, he cleans me up because he is good and he is God. We have to get to Jesus. So how do we get to Jesus? A couple things. We get to church like you are right now. You go to church, you get to meet with Jesus. You get in the word, you get in his word and you study it. The word has became so alive to me. I'm so thankful for pastors who have really helped me be able to grasp this, that the word is so alive. It's so amazing. It's actually fun. I probably read like four books in my life before I started reading the Bible. And you know what? I've realized something that the Bible is so alive that it speaks to you. It will guide you. I'll be going through so many different things and I'll be like, man, I need to get to Jesus. I need something from Jesus. And as I open that word, I realize something that I am close to him, that he's so close to me. And he, through his word, will speak to us. If we want to get to Jesus, we need to learn to get in the word. Worship. I love to worship. I want to be a worship leader, but Pastor Ben will not let me, nor Pastor Dustin. But I want to do it. I worship though at home. You believe that? I was Aladdin in sixth grade. Aladdin in sixth grade. And I was really good. Like really good. You come talk to me after and I can sing for you. I'm really, really good. Spencer asked me to sing for her all the time. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. So here we go. Get in the word. Worship. Thirdly, spend time in prayer. You know what's wild? I used to not know how to pray. I used to hear people pray and I'd be like, oh yeah, I don't really know how. And I'd like pretend and I'd say these big words, but I really didn't know how. So you know what I had to do? I had to ask somebody. It's like, Pastor Dustin, will you teach me to pray? And he did through discipleship and he showed me how to pray. So I think this, if you do not know how to pray, like I didn't, and I tried to pretend I did for like a year and a half and I literally had no idea how. Go ask somebody. That's the way I believe God set it up through discipleship, through speaking his word. I'm telling you, you will learn how to pray and it will help you understand you can get to Jesus and it will make your relationship with him so alive and so amazing. We have to get to Jesus. So step one, we have to get to Jesus. And step number two, we have to receive his grace. We got to receive his grace. John chapter 8, 10 through 11. It was the very last part of the story we read. Jesus strained up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. See, condemnation to condemn is to declare somebody as guilty. This woman deserved to be condemned, but guess what? Jesus chose to show her grace. Grace doesn't have anything to do with us, but has to do with God's goodness. It is a gift, which means this. I didn't earn God's grace, so I cannot lose God's grace. I didn't earn it, so I cannot lose it. Shame wants us to think that we have to try to earn it, that depending on if I'm good enough, then I can receive it, but you know what? We can never be good enough to receive God's grace. And guess what? It is still available to us no matter what we do, no matter what we've done. This grace is available. We cannot try to earn it. We have to quit trying to earn what God is trying to freely give. We have to quit trying to earn what God is trying to freely give. I remember when I was going through these really kind of just hard times from the age of 16 all the way to about 22 before I got saved. And there were different times I would come to church. 
And honestly, I was so broken. I'd want to give my life to Jesus and I want to make him Lord of my life. But because of the things that I had done, these were the thoughts going through my head. There's no way he could ever forgive me. I had done too much. So even though I'd get to church, I never took the free gift of his grace because I made it more about what I did over what he did. And I wrote this down. The devil wants to remind you of the things that you've done, but God wants to remind us of what he did. To receive grace, I have to understand that what Jesus did on the cross outweighs whatever I have done here on earth, which is good news for you and for me because we can never outrun God's grace. Step one, we got to get to Jesus. Step two, we got to receive his grace. And step three, we got to go. Somebody say go. John chapter eight, verse 11. This lady comes, she gets to Jesus, she receives his grace, and then he tells her, go now and leave your life of sin. See, Jesus, Jesus didn't sit there and tell her, hey, you're all good. It's okay, you can just keep on sinning. No, he told her you need to go and leave your life of sin because Jesus, it says that he came in grace and in truth. That's how, why he came in John chapter one. It says this, that even though he came to show grace, he still is gonna speak the truth because he is truth and he is grace. So he came and he told her, hey, I need you to go though and leave your life of sin. See, but by showing grace to her, Jesus actually made this statement possible because without grace, she would be unable to leave her life of sin. Without grace, I'm stuck trying to use my own strength, which won't get me anywhere. Grace gives me the abundant life because it causes me to leave my pain and my shame behind and run toward everything God has for me. See, when you experience God's unmerited favor in Jesus, it motivates you to be able to live a life that is pleasing to him. To think about this, that I deserve this but I got that to think about. I deserve by law to be punishable by, to be punished like by death. And I deserve to be up there on the cross. But you realize that through God's grace that he went to the cross for us, that does something in you when you truly grasp this, when you truly understand that this is a free gift that me and you can never earn and which is exactly why it's a gift. But after I receive that grace, I don't go back to my old life. No, I have to go and I turn the other way and I get into real repentance and I start walking towards Jesus and I start understanding what life is and how amazing it really is. It causes you, grace does, to go and leave your life of sin. See, we don't change in order to be accepted. We change because we have already been accepted. Again, we don't change in order to be accepted. We change because we have already been accepted. You see, nothing motivates a new life a new life like grace received into a person's heart because grace does what rules can never do. Grace does what rules can never do. Love that. Grace does what the law, what rules, what trying to follow a bunch of things that say do this and don't do that. If I can understand that God loves me and he died for me and I can never ever hinder that love, I want you to understand that will motivate you to be able to run towards Jesus with everything in you. You know, when I was 22 years old, I remember I woke up and I woke up from a night of party and of having this crap. I mean, all sorts of drugs were in my system. And really, I was just so, so broken. I'm talking about 
really, really broken. I know some of you, many of you, probably all of you know exactly what I mean. And I remember it was my 22nd birthday, and I remember just looking at my life wondering, man, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? I've asked this question a few times throughout today because I think it's a really popular question for people to ask themselves, but this is where I found myself. And I was just wondering, man, God, how did I get to this place? I remember I woke up, and it was my 22nd birthday, and I felt something just asking me this question, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know at the time what it was, but now I looking back, I understand that that was God trying to get my attention. I remember weeping in the back of this house that I was staying at in this own room that I have. So it was my 22nd birthday. I go over to my mom's house for this birthday dinner. At this point, I had really broken and really just hurt my family. So they still let me come over and they were always there for me, but they really had to put up some parameters around me to be able to make sure they were protecting them. But I remember they had me over for dinner and I remember reading this card from my mom. And I don't remember what it said, but I remember what happened was, even though I had done so much to her, even though I messed up so much, it said something along the lines of, I love you still, son. I believe in you. I think you're amazing, and I think you can change the world. And I remember I was sitting there, and I was just like, man, I got to change my life. Something has to change. I had a warrant out for my arrest, so I go, I turn myself in, and I get out. It was for a DWI, and I get out a few days later on a Saturday. I get out, take probation, I'm able to get out, and I remember I come to this church called The Harvest at a little building right across the street over there. I walk in, and I remember I went in, my cousins had started coming to this church recently, and as I walk in there, I remember Pastor Steve was preaching this word. And again, where I was at mindset-wise was, man, I have to earn God's love. And I was walking around with this mindset and wrong view of who God was and what he was all about. And I remember just thinking, walking in, God will never love someone like me. I did way too much. He knows everything I did because he's a God that knows everything, but there's just too much that I've done and there's no way that he could ever love me. As I remember, Pastor Steve is preaching on the cross of all messages and I'm sitting there and I'm listening and in the back of my mind, this is what I'm still thinking, there is no way, there's no way. God can be good, but there's no way he is that good. And I remember Pastor Steve stopped in the middle of this message and he said this and I was sitting right in the middle and he pointed towards the middle and he said, this is for somebody in here. If you feel like you cannot, be forgiven you might as well look at Jesus hanging there on the cross and say you are doing nothing for dying for me and I remember I started thinking and I was like oh my gosh I think he's talking to me I think he's talking to me but he gave a salvation call and you know what I was still full of so much shame and pain and regret from my past I could not lift my hand I remember my heart was beating I knew the message was for me but I just felt like I could not respond that next Wednesday I, ended, uh, Wednesday, I ended up coming to the movement. Community part three, Pastor Dustin was preaching. I don't even know one thing about the message. All I remember, he's, he did this. He was really swole at this point. He said, community part three. He still is really swole, but I'm talking like he was huge. But you know what? Long story short, I ended up giving my life to Jesus that night. And because I realized something. I did not have to earn God's love. It was freely given towards me. And my life changed forever that night. After I went to counseling for years, I went to things this world said would help. I went to one of the most intense rehabilitation centers in America for teens. One of the most intense thing. It was in the middle of Montana. And you know what? It did not help me until I had one encounter with grace. 
Now I need you to catch this because grace didn't replace my effort to change, but you know what grace will do? It will empower your effort to change. Some people in here, maybe you like me, trying to change in your own strength and in your own might. Guess what? It will not work. But when you receive God's free grace, a grace that is just towards you, and you take that, it will empower you to walk out of everything that you were once in. Will you stand up with me right now? The same grace that saved us is the same grace that gives us access to every resource in the kingdom of God. Through grace, it gives us the ability to take it by force, whatever it is that we need. We just got in intentionally learn to take it. There might be some people in here, maybe you were like me a few years ago, knowing that you're broken, knowing that you got yourself into a mess. Maybe you've gotten yourself into a mess that really you just don't know what to do. I have some great news for you. Jesus is an ever-present help when you're in need and he loves you so much. Maybe life has just hit you and you're feeling so broken and you don't know what to do. Guess what? You can come to Jesus. Quit trying to act in this world and move in this world in your own strength. No, God wants to give you your grace to empower you to do everything he's called you to do. Will you bow your heads with me right now? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.